are listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and returning is Jacob Frelinger, a.k.a. Dr. Jake. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. How are you doing, Charles? Pretty good. Holidays right around the corner. Figured have a have a have an easier episode, hopefully. Well, we'll we'll see how much arguing this dives into. But uh, uh, Dr. Jake and I are going to throw around some of the tactics cards that we're starting to evaluate a little differently that maybe either because of the recent changes we're now working into rosters or just the, you know, having two more slots and how that how that expands our decision making process. Because, man, I remember when the game first came out, I felt like it was very difficult to pick 10 characters and eight tactics cards. And that was a million releases ago. (laughs) It feels like it was so long ago. And we were such sweet summer children that did not realize how difficult these decisions were going to be in the long run. Um, You know, didn't have a band or restricted list and, you know, you know, uh, there were times where I was playing brace patch up and med pack. Not sure I ever did four, four restricted cards, but there was times I got close to that. Um, but it's I, getting, I'll, I was going to say, I always feel like I, I need to revise my tactics cards. Cause I never feel like I have the right set of tactics cards, no matter what list I build. Well, you, you focus on criminal syndicate. I feel like they're an affiliation that it is more difficult than most to select your tactics cards. Like, uh, Spider Foes is another one where I feel like I could go a lot of different directions. Guardians is another one. And then there's other affiliations or like when I'm playing Asgard, it's like, it feels really easy. So I guess let's, let's just dive right in, Jake. I'll let you, I'll let you pick the first one. What's the first card that you are thinking about more in this brave new world? Uh, I'm going to talk about advanced R&D. Okay. This is one you're thinking of taking more? Well, I've recently put into my roster, and okay. with the errata, I see a bunch of people avoiding it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really going to shift, because prior to the errata, it felt like I really only saw it for for turn one shenanigans. Uh, e- even if it wasn't one of the like the horrible degenerate turn one things, it was still like setting up for turn two. Yeah. Um, and it was only ever moving like one or two power. But I, I've noticed there's like, I will often when playing like in the midpoint of the game, like Mysterio is really good at this, just has like five power and no real great way to spend it. Um, so that's got me looking at advanced R&D just to sort of shift power around a little. Because with Criminal Syndicate, especially with the like pay, pay to inner characters that I play a lot of, like they're really power starved. It always feels like Kingpin just wants one more power. Crossbones needs just one more power to do, like just blow up the world. Yeah, so it's not I'm, a, I'm looking not at advanced R and D for that. It's not a weird thing. I feel like we probably have all been like mathing out that turn right, and being like, "Oh man, if this character had one more power, then I could pull off this cool chain of things." And that's it's always been the uh, the space for advanced R and D. But obviously it gets a little more difficult now because you have to play it during their activation. But um, I was playing against someone um, on Monday, I think it was. The weeks are blending together. Um, and I was roll- I was playing some Spider-Foes. Um, honestly, I was, uh, I was playing okay, but 
holy shit, was I rolling awful all evening. And I got rolled so bad by Syndicate. Because <laughs> obviously when you're playing Spider-Foes into Syndicate, if you can't get that that day's train rolling, it goes out of control really quickly. But my opponent was playing great. Um, uh, very, very concise. Like they, they were even, it didn't matter that I was rolling bad. They were taking every inch that they could. It was, it was very impressive. Um, but they did this kind of cool play with Angela where after activating Angela early and like wrecking something, they built up a bunch of power on her. And then they're like, well, there's a reasonable chance that she gets dazed now. And she doesn't really need a crap ton of power to do the thing that she might want to next turn if it goes another turn. And then, so he advanced our indeed like four or five power. I think it was four because he only had four other characters and then gave a power to sin crossbones, Kingpin and Zemo, which are all characters that can make pretty solid use of power. So uh, I did like it in that situation. I thought that was a very cool play. I don't know if he had included that specifically for that situation, but I thought that was a, that was a good use of it. So if you have like a super offensive character, like Angela in, in criminal syndicate, you could have her pop off early because you're trying to like daze to like further, you know, enhance your, your position um, and then can spread around power. Or it could be someone maybe that they're uh, they were heavily attacked or something. And so they'll run away and then give power to everyone else or something like that. Yeah. There's, there's lots of characters who are better at generating power than spending power. And, or, you, you know, the, player you have on like a back point that's just sort of waiting biting time often ends up with you know two three turns worth of not doing much yeah so for sure. you know three power sitting there on that back point they're they're good for that yep i agree uh i will say advanced r&d is not it, advanced r&d for me has been one that's like was a lot of the time like that eighth card and sometimes even the fifth card like in your actual selection of five just because it's so universally useful and so it's kind of fallen out for me and i've been trying to trying to pick some more cards that feel like they're the sort of cards i'd want to have in the roster but not every game but then in specific matchups i'll pull it in um, I think I hear it mentioned a lot on Across the Bifrost. Pat says this a lot where, you know, if you're just bringing 10 cards that are all kind of generically useful, you're probably going to take the same five almost every time. So you really want to work in a few cards that are exceptional, but only in certain cases that kind of generate that, that flex. Um, and so... One card that I had been thinking about a lot, like I, I always kept it like in my to-go cards, but it wasn't making rosters. And now I'm finally playing it a little, uh, not just hitting in a roster, but it actually made my five in a game. And that's marked for death. I thought with its relatively low cost of just needing two characters to pay one each, and they just have to be within five of the same enemy. And so that's pretty easy to accomplish. And then that character loses stealth, it becomes speed short, and they can't modify or re-roll their defense dice. And so I ended up using it in a game to stop Doctor Strange from getting his defensive re-rolls, um, which it's not an amazing use, but there are times when you just kind of need to take a character down, or maybe you don't want a character to run away. Um, so I like it, and it's something that I'm still not, I'm not sure how often I'm going to take it. But it was something I've been eyeing with Black Order back in the day as potentially a very easy card to play to try to, like, 
you know, mess with someone's defenses to like help keep, you know, you know, kind of help mitigate the math um, from spiky dice or spiky defenses and kind of keep that train rolling. So it's, it's a card I've liked and I think it should be on people's radar Has Mark for death been one that you're considering at all. Uh, no, but it's one I would hate to see played more. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the kind of one that like black cat would hate, right? The, the number of games now where it's been things like black cat gets flipped and has like two steel targets within range and can just go steal, steal and start to run away. Oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that would ruin her day, slow her down. Uh, there's you know, a lot of models too that rely on like rerolls to try and push them, uh, like let them uh, punch above their weight class, both offensively and defensively using rerolls. Um, that 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 would yeah. make that really annoying. We may see more of Ancient One. She's like a big part of her defensive stick is that she's got two rerolls. Uh, two, yeah, can reroll two dice, um, regardless of type. You know, there's Amazing Spider-Man, obviously. Um, Doctor Strange, he's a thing. There's now two versions, so we're probably going to see him even more. Um, is it good enough in those cases to to justify that? Well, it's hard to say, but it's also a nice thing in that sometimes when you, you play that offensive card on someone, you're like, all right, this is my target. Like, this is who I'm going to go after. Sometimes they run away with that character. So it's kind of nice that this has a built-in slows them down where they're not getting nearly as far away. Like two short moves versus two medium moves is a pretty huge difference. Yes. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I like it. It's, it, it's something with like some of the generic kind of suit, you know, not uh black order teams, but maybe like spider foes and guardians. Um, it's something that I've been, been thinking about a lot. So, all right, Jake, well, what's the next card that you want to throw at me? Uh, I'm going to throw Cruelty at you. So so we were talking um, about uh, Criminal Syndicate earlier. And this is is largely also thinking with uh, Bullseye. um, Who can... Okay. Well, both Bullseye and actually Sin, who can sort of auto-generate the power needed to play this. Um, just to get them a third attack in there. That makes sense. It's always been a very interesting card, because it's like, it's a range five mystic attack. Yeah. The the big problem is, is you have to, it has to be after an attack that does damage. Um, so it's, it's more of a fixer if in case you screwed up, your dice didn't go quite as well as you wanted, it felt like, but... Uh, there's now several criminal syndicate models that can sort of auto pay that, right? Well, it's also a very interesting card in that it is an affiliated card that doesn't have to be played by affiliated characters. Yeah, it is any allied character. So, so it is something where I remember when that card first came out, I was looking at it really heavily and going, okay, which characters would be the most dumb being able to use this card? And at the time, I definitely determined that I felt it was uh, Corvus because his counting blanks as successes, or sorry, it's not that one. It's the it's the reality gem of being able to uh, count skulls as crits. 
um, still works with cruelty. And similarly, Domino, uh, if she uses it, she can still use the ability to count, um, uh, to use her probability manipulation. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting card. And a lot of people have got criminal syndicate on their radar. So it'll be very interesting to see how the criminal syndicate cards, like they've got three great cards, like cruelty, just a solid spend two power, get an attack is very reasonable. And then they've got a card to steal priority and a card to give them like super stealth. It's, it's a great card suite. It's going to be very interesting to see how that, how that plays out overall and which ones see more play. Um, is cruelty one where you just want it to be in your 10 and pull it in, in specific situations, or is it something that you think is going to be making your five a lot? Uh, I think it's getting edged out by other cards in my five that are more important. Um, but I think it'll get played. I mean, it's in, in the right situation. So I think there will be more of those situations too, uh, especially with, like the shift in priorities importance now um, where going last is actually fairly strong that uh, all according to plan, it like loses a little bit. Um, well, if I you think already we have priority. all according to plan days something and still allow you to end up going last. I think that's where it ends up being the best. So yeah, I, I'm still amazed that that card is not insanely good. There are a lot of affiliations that that card definitely could not exist in and have it be fair. Yes. Interesting. Are there any specific characters that you you were thinking about having play it, or is it just kind of like work into the roster? Or do you like something you're going to play with Modoc or you know any um, any thoughts along those like lines? Like I said earlier, uh, Bullseye uh, and Sin are both really good because the Sin auto generates a power from her attack. Bullseye auto-generates a power from his attack. Um, so you know, both could, of them can, can automatically build that power for you to do it. You don't have to, like, rely on them. Rely on them actually, like, building the power. Yeah. I was just thinking it might actually be pretty cool with Winter Soldier. Um, obviously, he wouldn't count as an affiliated character, so he doesn't get to help you build up to the, the other things, but he's already a range 5 attacker, and he doesn't have a ton of things to spend his power on when he's just sitting way in the back, so it could be something where you know, he's just popping off shots, and then as soon as he gets a spike, he would both get the power to play it, and he suddenly puts that character in danger of being dazed. Yeah. So you have this three threat character that suddenly like could, uh, you know, at, could at any time like super pop off, not just, you know, oh, you know, you know, potentially he can put four attacks into someone and then and then maybe get a fifth if he needs it. And if things are going well, like, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I like that or don't like it, depending on how I think about that. <laughs> yep. OK, well, uh, you know, since I just mentioned Bucky. Um, I've been thinking about till the end of the line a lot. Um, partially because obviously Bucky got buffed and Sam Wilson is very good. And it's actually made me wonder how much would I consider 
um, splashing Sam into other teams. And I like him quite a bit. I've played him in Spider-Foes because Spider-Foes leadership can help him trigger the push on his shield throw. And he's very mobile. Um, I was also thinking about him in Asgard as he generates a lot of extra power that he could potentially use to like heal himself. Um, and Asgard, I often do need a, uh, either taskmaster or winter soldier. Generally it's Ben taskmaster because he's got six health on his healthy side and he's got a little bit of additional defensive tech, but it got me thinking that maybe it was worth flexing that spot and have access to till the end of the line, which is only one cost or it's two cost each, but man, they become super difficult to move and you could like really lock down a point. Um, it was even something I was considering for criminal syndicate rosters, because again, Sam is, reasonably durable for his threat costs. He's got ways to buff his defenses. He's very mobile. He can push people off points. Um, Bucky, if he gets to his spender, he can also throw people off points. Um, but with those two characters, you could totally lock down um, lock down a particular secure. <laughs> like We have two characters. You're going to have a really hard time moving them, and they're tanky as hell. So it's... It's something that I've I, I'm starting to see the potential of playing playing Bucky again, and I, a big part of that is because this card is really good. Sam Wilson is really good, um, so it's it's something that's crossing my mind. I don't know the exact roster that it's going to go into. Um, I did mention Criminal Syndicate, which is I think has probably come up a few times this episode. But is that something you've considered at all for your Criminal Syndicate? Would you consider trying Sam in there? Uh, yeah, I've thought about it a little, not too much, just Sam is really good and probably should be played in more places. Yeah, <laughs> I think it might be one of those things that because he's so popular in Avengers that I think the people who are excited to play him are just playing Avengers and there's not a lot of people playing him out of, out of affiliation, but he's just been really solid in all of the games that I've played, so... It's it's interesting. And when I've seen people bust out till the end of the line with Sam and Bucky, it's they're they're they end up being a particularly frustrating little combination to deal with. All right, well, let's move on past uh past the Americas. What do you want to do next? What card next? Oh, see, I was I was going to segue since we were talking Ooh. about Captain America. Segue that ricochet blast. Oh yes. This one was on my radar, and I for, it didn't make my list because I forgot. Yeah, it's 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 I think really strong. Um, new Iron Man is really good. It works with Sam. You know, two two power split over two models for a seven die reroll all reroll any attack is is feels really really strong. Yeah, it's it was always a potentially solid card. It was just kind of held back by Cap, but it is it is also unaffiliated. I think the prospect of playing um Sam Wilson and Iron Man um outside of affiliation is not that weird now. Like I could totally see Dark Dimension running Sam Wilson and Iron Man as a couple of their threes and bringing in Ricochet Blast. I I could see it in 
you know, the two unaffiliated in a lot of rosters. Yeah. Um, it's, they're both not bad. Yeah, not not that weird. I mean, both of them would potentially be interested. Uh, uh, Guardians. Guardians would be another spot. Guardians doesn't, like, have it, uh, any affiliated cards that are, like, must-haves. Um, and especially if you want to do wide Guardians, I think playing Iron Man and uh, Captain America would be totally reasonable. And this card would would blow up. So, yeah, I, I like this one a lot. Was this something you were actually considering in Criminal Syndicate? Or is this just kind of like a, a, a thought that you were having? Uh, it's one I've sort of thought a little bit about when someone said I should maybe take um, Sam because I also was thinking about Iron Man with his update, you know, just he's, yeah, uh, he's got a, he's got a push. He's, you know, above average durability. He's not slow. I could see him being a really solid fit in criminal syndicate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Decent, decent attacks, durable, reduced damage, like all good stuff I'd want. And so then if I'm also going to bring Sam, that card is not a bad one to look at. Yeah, no, it's one I keep mentioning, keep meaning to meaning to think about again. I've been trying out a lot of Hulkbuster, so I haven't. Obviously, you can't play Iron Man and Hulkbuster in the same team. You can have them in the same roster, but not the same team. So I haven't had as many chances to actually bust out Iron Man as I would like. But I, I definitely want to do more of that soon. Um, I think there are so many times where I would use his uh, Friday AI and then do the attack and then be at two power so I couldn't Friday AI the second attack. And I think the math for this now starts pushing him up in overall effectiveness where I think he's, he's a really solid character. Um, Also, I think he has reasonable play in say like uh, mutant madman. I think he's one of the better characters for that. Obviously he doesn't love spending on the portals or sorry, spending on the, the crisis, but he's a four, uh, He's got four physical defense, and then he's got energy attacks. So sometimes it's the problem with Mutant Madmen, where if you play like War Machine, you're like, well, I've got someone who's got four physical defense, but all of his attacks are physical on a crisis that encourages you to bring high physical defense. Um, so Iron Man fits in that nicely. There's there's a lot to like about New Iron Man. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna see a lot more play. So no reason why Ricochet Blast can't also see a lot more play. Okay, so on that topic of ones that are inspired by characters getting better, I will segue into shh. Uh, This is one that I've been just, I've experimented with the new Ebony Maw a bit so far, and I would like to try him more. I now think he is is a very viable five threat. Not overpowered, because I do feel like his, um, his energy generation or his power generation is still a little um, moderated by the fact that he doesn't have a builder. He has a gainer. So he gets the three, which is enough for a throw. And then he can potentially build a couple more power per turn. So it's, if he doesn't get attacked, it's, it's hard for him to do necessarily all the things he potentially wants to do. Um, But in the right teams, say like uh, brotherhood, for instance, he, you know, Oh man, he he has so many cool ways to spend power, and I think Shh is a obviously it's a very powerful card, um, and so and, and you know even thinking about it like uh, 
in the reverse, like obviously he's got a power that allows him to not take any damage from a uh, train being thrown at him. And so with something like that, I think doesn't uh, Cassandra Nova have the same power? I think so, but I might be. By the way, having access to... Yes, she does have... Yeah, she has that deflection thing. But um, being able to shush someone from being able to use that um, can be a pretty big deal. But especially when you're playing an attrition team, like, oh man, it feels so good when you get a shut off a power like Doctor Strange's adding dice. When you're like, boop, not only are you not going to get to add dice this uh, to uh, to my attacks on this character, but if I make attacks on other characters, you still can't add dice to them this turn. Um, it's it's pretty huge. And if you end up doing dual activations, like you do uh, follow me and do another activation in the same turn, they still can't use it. It's, I think, I think it's now, I think Maw is a little bit more splashable than Scarlet Witches, where I feel like Scarlet Witch really has to have some specific synergies to consider bringing her. But Maw could fit in almost anywhere where someone wants to run a five threat. He's kind of self-sufficient now. Um, So... I like it a lot. Actually, Maw seems like a perfectly reasonable grab for uh, for Criminal Syndicate. He's a little tankier now. Like, shh, is a great card. He builds up power reasonable. He can walk people away from points. There, there's lots now for Criminal Syndicate. It's, it's <laughs> kind of overwhelming. Yeah, the they've always been one that feels like, you know, every roster slot goes so quickly. Uh I, I think that's one of the reasons why I haven't like really, really crunched a criminal syndicate roster because it feels like there's just so many characters for you to consider. There's so many directions you can co- kind of try and build as well, which is makes it hard too. It's, it's easy to end up with half of one and half of another and none of anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I see where you're going with it. It's. It's also one where at any point where like one criminal syndicate character could like totally change the whole world for them and make things super scary if they just get that perfect key character. Um, Cause it does seem like you're, you often rely on uh, unaffiliated characters where you're like, I've got a stupid leadership and then I've got solid characters, a pretty strong leader. And then it's, it's, it's really the couple of unaffiliated that you bring in that really end up um, kind of defining the way that your roster is going to play. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I need to find more spots for Ma and try out sh- in more games because it's, it's a great card and it's, it's something that I think people need to be watching out for. It can really mess up plans when you're relying on certain, um, certain powers. Like, you can turn off. Um, trying to th- uh, wait so you can't use it on something that doesn't cost any power. So you couldn't use it on like Doctor Strange's rerolls. But um, sometimes it just like just shut off a bodyguard. Like if a force comes back in a big way, there are a lot of times where you just can't deal with the like. You're just like oh, I want to put in attacks on Shuri. But there's this She-Hulk right there. 
<laughs> and so all of the attacks are just going to get bodyguarded. Uh, but having access to something like this to at least stop the bodyguards so that you can put attacks into these key characters. Um, obviously, Luke Cage is getting more play. You know, there's there's a lot to consider there. So I like Shh, and uh, I think people should be looking out for that one more. All right, Jacob, what, you, what else you got for me? I'm going to go to the memes next. Not finding <laughs> this memes. one's good, but this one is fun. Helios <laughs> okay. Laser. I mean, Helios Laser is good. This is more than a meme. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the ability to, like, in turn five or six, just take a model off the board. You know, ignores most defensive tech. You can spend a whole bunch of power and roll an obscene number of dice. And, yeah. Well, what you're saying with your Mysterio problems, if you run Iron Man in there and you've built up a bunch of extra power, like if you, it it does potentially give you, um, say in Criminal Syndicate, one of the things that I've noticed is I feel like when their game is going well, you're just winning. And there's not a whole ton your opponent can do about it. But when you're playing against the list that things do work well, right? Like a web warriors or maybe Wakanda. And they're just like, none of your characters can stay on points. There's not a whole lot that you can do about it. And they don't often feel like they have a good way to play out of those bad situations. And maybe Helios laser could be one of those things where you're like, all right, well, the thing that I need to do now uh, okay, these this wide Wakanda or wide Web Warriors, they went last, so now I've got priority. I've got enough power now. Now I'm going to blow up a key character to start things off, to throw the whole equation out of whack. Or now, all of a sudden, boom, Gwen, off the table. You, you lost that auto-guaranteed push from her, and now things are set up, so you're not going to get to go last. I'm going to go last, and so I get to move on to a point at the very end your whole game is suddenly out of sync because of that. So seems like a very powerful option. Uh, I had it used against me in a game and had, I think it was uh, a uh, 12 die uh, Helios laser into a healthy Kingpin who immediately dazed. (laughs) (laughs) I will say on the flip side, I was playing Hulkbuster quite a bit and I was including Helios laser. And I even had what felt like the perfect turn for it where I had an Okoye who was likely to get KO'd soon. So she probably wasn't going to get to activate and she had like eight or nine power on her. And I was just like, the problem was it wasn't the right play for Hulkbuster. I needed to use his base attacks for the, the pushes. And it was just, it just wasn't the right thing for me to have Hulkbuster do. And so it, it did make me realize that I probably won't play it a ton with Hulkbuster, but I think it's great with Iron Man. Um, and so it's it's something that even though when it felt like the, the situation on the table from like me having the power, especially a bunch of power to spare on a character who wasn't going to get to use it. I, th- I think the key to the card will be figuring out how not to overspend on it. Yeah. Because, um, you know, rolling a ton of dice is a lot of fun, but at a certain point, additional <laughs> dice are just wasted wa- wasted investment. Yep. I do think it could be a very interesting splash in Convocation, um, because w- one of the things that gets very weird is, what do you do in the Convocation mirror match? 
And I know it's something we've been talking about on the, uh, the OP discord uh, because uh, a couple of the, the members are playing a lot of convocation, but I think having Iron Man be one of your, your flex threes and have that card, I think it's very easy for super strange to end up building up extra power. Um, you've actually got a team that can Mordo can just like sit and build up power. Um, he can, yeah, there, there's a lot of ways that convocation can end up with a surplus of power and having a Helios laser to just like drop a huge bomb, especially on someone who does not want to be taking an energy attack. Uh, there's a lot of characters you could just burn off the table. Maybe someone like a Midnight Suns leader, like take Blade off the table. He does not like energy attacks. So, yeah, I, I mean... I could even see it just, like, if you daze a leader, just opening up next turn, take the leader off the table and get rid of the leaderships as being yeah. really strong. Uh, I expect Shuri to be making a comeback now that the reroll thing is fixed. I think people, um, and especially with the the with a greater variety of crisis seeing the table and you're not going to see like most, you know, it's not like eight out of nine games are going to be demons downtown. That's just not going to be as much of a thing anymore. So maybe uh, if you start seeing more infinity formula and stuff like that, again, um Shuri's going to make a comeback. She's great in those situations and Helios laser may just blow her right off the table. All right. Well, uh, continuing well, I'll, I'll take a break from the character-specific cards for a moment. Um, I used to play Tactical Analysis all the time. This was, like, almost always in my eight. Um, you know, I don't know. God, it was like a year and a half ago now or something. When it came out with the, the Vision Pack, this was a card I was playing a ton just because it was a way to get a movement, get someone back into, into position, um, sometimes I even used it to like walk someone away who had made an aggressive grab on something or say, like, if you imagine a lizard double moves and he like takes your opponent's cube. Right. And so now they start setting up to like lay into him. I might do something like have Valkyrie move up and tactical analysis to move lizard back towards my team. Obviously you couldn't play lizard at the time, but this is the sort of stuff I'm thinking about now. Um, but it was a card that drifted out of play around the time of Daredevil's release because of climbing gear, where suddenly it's like, well, now here's a card that I can play during my activation. It only costs one more, but I get a short advance actually during my activation. I don't have to have to have someone else set up for it. And so it, I think climbing gear kind of pushed tactical analysis to the side. But now that we have the 10 the 10 tactics cards. I've been wondering if I should be thinking about tactical analysis again, because there's been so many points in games where one character has a little bit of extra power or say a great example. Um, Midnight Suns. I'm always thinking about cool movement shenanigans and stuff. And Moon Knight almost always has some extra power. And so it, it could be a situation where I will tactical analysis, maybe, um, uh, Moon Knight activates and I play um, tactical analysis to move Blade into the right position and then go ahead and do um, uh, Siege of Darkness and play all of that uh, during during Moon Knight's activation or something to that effect. Um, I also think it could be very cool for, um, uh, say, if you're playing Mystique, 
in Wakanda set up something where Mystique uses tactical analysis to get Shuri or Black Panther into the right position. And then you play Wakanda forever during Mystique's activation. So they can't use effects like bodyguard and that sort of thing. Um, it's just, it's a card that's back on my radar. Um, and it's, it's a very, very good card. And it's kind of always feels almost feels weird that it drifted out, but I think it's just because we only have five slots, but I don't know. It's one I'm thinking about again. Is it one that's on your radar at all, Jacob? Uh, I have a little whiteboard with me here at my desk, and I just wrote down tactical analysis and have underlined it twice. So <laughs> uh, it is now. Yeah, it's, I mean, especially for an affiliation like Criminal Syndicate that wants to get back onto points, right? You're just like, tactical analysis can totally is a bigger deal for criminal syndicate right than for most affiliations because getting one healthy character back onto a point, getting a short move back on that, that yeah. be two VP deal. Uh, the other thing I can see it being very useful for is just running away with extracts, just suddenly hand off an extract to a model and then advance it short away for four power you know, at range three. So that's now, you know, that's outside like a medium move often like that, that will get a character safe to run away with an extract. It feels like. Yeah. Like if you set it up right. Yeah. It's, it's a cool card and say like convocation, you could do something where not that convocation doesn't have like a million cards to take already, but Ancient One starts with two power, so she could easily, like, move up to a point and then tactical analysis to, like, move Doctor Strange into a scarier position. Like, there's a lot of... there's uh, Iron Fist has generates two power per turn, so he's he, he could be moving a character turn one. Um, he has also got an auto... You know, he's got a, the, the flying kick to auto-generate a power, so he could potentially still get a power. Say if you're playing on like deadly meteors or something where he, you know, tactical analysis is someone and then move and then flying kick still gets a power can still interact. Like there's a lot of really creative ways to potentially use this card. Um, So I definitely think it's one that people should be thinking about again for their 10 now that they've got two more slots or three slots. If you realize you're like, oh, I can't take better rivals anymore. (laughs) All right. What's your what's your next one, Jacob? Uh, we're going to go on to Indomitable. Ooh, new card, new card. New so. card, new <laughs> shininess. All right, uh, so, so if th- the listeners don't know what this one does, maybe give a quick rundown, because uh, not everyone may have sure. seen this spoiler. For two power, you cannot be pushed. Um, so when you'd be targeted, when you'd be thrown or pushed by an enemy effect, you can spend two power to pay the card, and the character is not thrown or pushed. So it, it yeah. shuts down a throw or a push for two power. Which Yeah, so this is it's a big deal. It, yeah, it feels a lot like braced does to me and it's not restricted unlike braced. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's a card that seems um it seems like it has enough uses, right? That people are already talking about, like, this is a card that w- should almost immediately go on the restricted list is kind of the attitude that a lot of people have about it. Um, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that sentiment, but it is being talked about, like, maybe this just goes straight into everybody's fives as soon as it comes available, because we've all been there in that point where 
because of a push like Hulk is out of position or, you know, you you don't have this character on a point or um, there, there's all sorts of stuff. I've been playing a lot of Spider-Foes. It really sucks when one of your dudes gets thrown into one of the other dudes because they're almost yeah. all size threes. Um, yeah. I think Dormammu especially, like, I cannot imagine playing Dark Dimension and not playing this card. Because if someone does get to throw Dormammu, he just crushes the thing that he gets thrown into. And so having access to Indomitable is huge. And because everyone has, starts with gets two power every round, you know, very, very few situations are going to come up where you don't immediately have the ability to play this card with any of your characters. Now, uh, if my, my thought on it is if you're not playing Braced, you should probably look at taking Indomitable. Yeah, in theory, there might even be rosters like if you're playing a lot of Doctor Strange, because obviously he does not like having shit thrown into him. I think it would be very feasible for Doctor Strange teams to maybe even have access to both and then decide which which you're bringing in and which situation. Yeah. But um, uh, on the flip side of this card, I think one thing that as people are thinking about it and dojoing it before you get to play it, there are a lot of situations like I've been putting brace back into some teams um, kind of like going, Hey, is this something, you know, I kind of stopped playing it when it hit the restricted list in a lot of my teams, but I was trying it out again and I was realizing just how difficult it was to get off brace. Like I ended up playing two games in a row on hammers and I realized like, well, if this character walks up, cause Basically, if you imagine this table, on one side, there was a size four right next to the hammer. And so we were both looking at it and going, we both had characters that could throw size fours. And so like whoever walks up and picks that up, the other person could potentially walk up and dump a size four into them. You know, you've got characters like Angela um, and Ebony Maw that can, with no additional power required, can immediately dunks on someone with a size four terrain. And if you pick up the hammer, you're at zero power. So you definitely can't. But then if you're holding the hammer at the beginning of next turn and you're at one power, you still can't brace. <laughs> and so that got me thinking, I'm like, there's going to be a lot of situations where you don't have two power to play indomitable when you want to. Like we can all think of those situations where we were like, Oh, I just wish that they just couldn't move my character away. And so I think when you're playing characters like Hulk, it's going to be a little bit easier to play. But I think in some of these teams, like say, you know, web warriors, for instance, they're already pretty strapped on power a lot of the time. And so it may not be something as feasible for everyone. Um, and it's going to make, characters like say you know iron fist and valkyrie and the, all the characters that generate two power um that are going to be able to pull off this card a little bit easier um especially the slightly tankier one say like ancient one where suddenly uh if she moves up and takes a point in an early activation now she has multiple ways of like staying on the point or not being able to be moved off the point and she's a little tankier so she can also survive some attacks so I think it's going to be a roster evaluation. I'm not sure it's going to quite be a all the time card, but who knows? It might be. It still looks really good. Yep. Do you think it's one that you're going to be slotting in all the time? Uh, for the foreseeable future, yes. Um, there's, I mean, I might not take it. It will depend on the matchup. If I don't think that pushes are really going to be meaningful, 
Um, but I think with like web warriors being really strong in the meta right now, you're going to see a lot of web warriors and the ability to just say no. Yeah, let's see. The official, what's the official release for this is probably February. Yeah. Because it's not in the January releases, but it should be out in the U.S. in February. So not going to impact LVO yet, but it's something to be on the it's on the horizon very, very soon. Okay, on the subject of fairly new cards, this card is released, and I've talked about it a bit on the podcast, but it's one that whenever I'm now at a point where I've built a roster and I have just a 10th slot and there isn't really anything I specifically need for it, I have been grabbing Eyes on the Prize as my 10th card for a lot of various rosters because it's just one that... It's an easy card to find uses for, and obviously I think the most attention that's on the card is for when you have a really specific plan. And like I did the whole episode on um, the opening plays to be, to be thinking about or to be planning for or to include in your rosters and eyes on the prize made a lot of those things happen. And so maybe it's a card that needs to go away, but in the meantime, I do think it's a, just a really interesting generalist pick that you may not need in every situation, but if you just have it in your 10, there's going to be some times where it's a super powerful card. And so it really fits the bill of that. You know, maybe you don't take it every game and that's fine, but one out of five games or two out of five games or something, eyes on the prize could potentially set you up for a pretty big advantage, especially if you've got characters like Thanos or Ronin in the power jam or super strange. Um, You, there, it would be pretty easy to suddenly pull off some really cool stuff with this if people drop the wrong crisis on you. Is Eye on the Prize in the Criminal Syndicate layout for you? Uh, I could see it. I used to take Toad as my two point, um, and he has that just innately, and that was actually really useful a lot of the time. Um, I could see it being there a thing that is a way to give you just like the little bit of extra range you need occasionally. Cause I tend to play yeah. lots of short move models that it can't quite get to the thing I need. It does seem like since you're playing a lot of situations where you want your characters at points, you're not really going to do a lot of like grab something and run away sort of thing, but All right. Well, I think. Do you think we've covered enough options for the listeners, Jake? Yeah, I think. I think we've done a lot here. Yes. Um, was there Was there any I threw at you that actively surprised you that I brought it up? Um, I'd forgotten tactical analysis. <laughs> yeah, that one's. I said that was a card. I felt like there were times where I was talking with Xavier Protocols, and we were we were working tactical analysis. It was like the fifth card in a ton of builds where it was making builds and we were running tactical analysis all the time. And then it was just like climbing gear hit and just the world changed. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, I feel like I'm forgetting a card. I'm like, Oh, I don't have climbing gear in this roster yet. Let's get that shit in there. This is such a great card. But, and I've seen people do really good plays with, um, with climbing gear, like, seeing characters move straight across the middle of the board where it's like climbing gear, medium move, medium move, and like get a character into a whole point that you did not think that they were going to be in. 
think you did that to me once. Were you climbing gear and got a character to a position I was not expecting them to be in? Yeah, <laughs> it's good. But yeah, tactile analysis, very good card. So, all right. Well, um, I think this is probably going to be a good spot for us to wrap up the episode. Jacob, thank you so much for recording with me and diving into some of these interesting tactical tactical analysis, tactical tactics cards options. Um, there's a lot yeah. to consider. It's 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 almost uh, it's almost too much at times. Like there's so many interesting characters, so many interesting tactics cards. Like sometimes, like how do we ever get it down to ten? Yeah, there's 171 tactics cards right now. Jeez, I think I probably carry like half of them with me to game nights. I should count how many are actually in my uh, in my little Ultra Pro deck box that I take with me. Uh, but I keep it to like I think it fits maybe 80, 85 or something. But that includes all the Crisis cards and stuff, and the the Crisis layouts, and then all the affiliated cards and stuff too. But I'm basically like it's my own. Um, limitation where whatever goes in my to-go stuff cannot exceed this ultra pro deck box. And so uh, occasionally a new card hits like indomitable hits. I'm going to have to take something out of that box. I've, I've filled up one of those. I think I have one and a half in my backpack. Yeah. There's, there's too many. Yeah. And you play like you one play with most of them too. Yeah. <laughs> At least for me, I'm usually bringing four or five different affiliations that I could potentially play, and that's why it it takes up so much space. But uh, you got to at least get it down to one box, man. Yeah, I'm gonna go through and read them all, figure out what's actually good. I always feel like I have to do that, though. There's always so much, too many to evaluate. Yeah, maybe one of the next times that we hang out, we'll like we'll open up your Ultra Pro box and see if I can help you, like. Get these out of here. Like, we'll just, we'll just go. Uh, I think it'd be interesting maybe just to go through and like pick 10 new ones that I've never played and see how they do. Well, maybe you go through the ones we mentioned on this episode and see yeah. which of those are not in your rosters. Um, yeah, there are definitely times where I think it's a smart thing to grab, um, like grab some characters or grab some tactics cards and just put it on the table and see what you think. Um, and sometimes you get surprised at how good stuff is. And other times you're like, ah, this is kind of what I kind of what I expected. Not, not, not loving this. Um, but sometimes um, whether a card seems really good or a character seems really good, it can be good to put them on the table and maybe force yourself to like play it multiple games in a row and just get a feel for when it feels good and when it feels bad um, before you have to like make that situ make that decision in some like decision or in some situation that actually matters. Maybe you're doing a TTS tournament or it's LVO, but like, like a new character comes out. I really want to play voodoo or Hulkbuster. And I just like, all right, I go to a game night and I'm like, I'm going to play this character in every single game, no matter whether it feels like the right decision or not and see how things go. So I can kind of stress test the character for further planning purposes. And I think you could do the same thing with tactics gardens. Just be like, I'm going to play this, I'm going to play indomitable in every game for this particular evening and see what I think of it or tactical analysis. Like, like honestly, I think if you put tactical analysis, like if you went to a game night at Mox or Zulu's or something, and you got in three games and just said, "I'm going to play tactical analysis in every game," 
I think you would probably love the card. Yeah, no, I, I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> Read the card. It's like, I should look at that. Cards that move your characters tend to be good. Like whenever you get like a full action, essentially out of a card, that that can be a pretty more, good More card. importantly, like moves an activated character, right? There's so much of, oh, that model's activated. So like yes. wherever it is on the table, as long as like if I ignore it, it's just going to stay there, right? Like, hey, and if you've got a card that... If a card directly gets you a VP, like especially in Criminal Syndicate, right? Tactical analysis almost reads, your opponent loses one VP, you gain one VP. <laughs> I, I think right? if it d- won't do that, you probably shouldn't play it. Right, but like it would be very easy for you to play that card oh, in yeah. a game. Right, how often, you know, you're just like, oh, Sin does a medium move, plays tactical analysis, moves Kingpin back onto a point, and then she walks back to the other point that she was on. And now Kingpin is back on a point, and that one character who's there standing opposed to him, now he counts as two, so your opponent is essentially losing a point because they're no longer controlling it, and you are gaining a point that you were not going to get. Yeah. It's it's the same as in Indomitable. It like undoes one of my opponent's actions and and gets me back into play to win points. It's it's definitely one I'm going to test out. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think this is a good spot to end the episode, as I think I said like five minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we will close this out on the most OP thing that you can do is get your taxes cards narrowed down to one Ultra Pro box. It's it's the way. This is the way, as the Mandalorian says. This is the way. Peace.